1: And coming to you live, bringing you stories of people like you and me busting through and living life full out. Get ready to dare to wonder what your life would be like if you knew you could not fail. Hey, everybody. Well, why am I coming right there? Oh, okay. So let me just start by saying this is a fabulous show we're going to be doing here. I, I want to just I want to just present this little caveat for all of you. This is a show that I'm doing with my fantastic colleague, love coach, Mariah Grayson, but passing your seat though. quitting the blame game. Now, here's what I want to say about this. And then she is just going to really run with this. What does blame game look like, right? If you are, she, you studied personal growth, spiritual development, You know, you've been doing this from a very young age. You've been called to do it. You've been trained to do it, right? Uh, You are part of the life coaching and authentic leadership and facilitation group. You founded and created your own business, Romantic Relationships, and now you have your own show. And what you're doing is you're putting all of this together and you're bringing it out. And you're having conversations that many of us do not want to have especially that have the word love related to it at all. But if you're not having these conversations and you're not talking about these things, how many of you think they've gone away? Raise your hand, go like this. Oh yeah, I'm not talking about it. So therefore it doesn't exist. No, but the idea of a blame game, it's so interesting when you hear what she's going to talk about because I had a little meltdown two days ago on a phone call. It wasn't like an obvious meltdown, but it was clear that my persona changed on the call. Because we were we were in this great call, we were having a really good session about something to do and a direction to go. And one of the people on the call for the first eight minutes did nothing but talk about how everything wasn't working and did not work and was never going to work and it was never had no part of it at all. So why do I have such a reaction upon that? What is my training? Where did I get that reaction from? Who taught me about owning my part of a problem? But I'm not perfect. And I'm right there in the blaming mode like everybody else. If you push me into a corner, I might point my finger. But today, how to let go of judging and blaming others, because if we can't do this, oh boy, it's really hard to if we can't do this, if we can't do this, then how are we ever going to stop judging and blaming ourselves? Right? Thank you for this topic, right? Absolutely. (laughs) I always love when people bring a topic like this up, because I always look at my reaction to it. And then I always realize, oh, okay, this is, this is a good part of my journey. And, and why is it a good part? Why am I so aware of this? So here's what I want to leave you with. And then I want you to take off. When I was a kid, I had two stepsisters and I was the kind of kid you could tell, you know, me, I smile a lot, right? I could be talking to you about something. And I got this grin on my face. I I had this as a kid, you could not knock the grin of the smile off my face. I don't care what you were talking about. I could step on a rusted nail down in the lot, and I'd be smiling. So my two stepsisters, for most of my young life, did crazy things and blamed me, like two bags of empty beer cans under the stairwell. Now, here's the good news. When my dad died in 1987, my sister Joyce fessed up and told my stepmom. My stepmom is making amends to me now, even from above. But this is the impact of blame, isn't it? It's one of them. All right. These labels, these things we put on people, so damaging. We don't understand them. So let's start about the labels because you know this and I know this. Social media has taken labeling to a whole new level. What, do, what are your thoughts on this? And where do we want to start?
2: Well, um, one of my favorite, not favorites, is the <laughs> narcissist label. I love it, people. That's such a hot buzzword these days. Oh, he's a narcissist. Oh, do you know what he did? He's such a narcissist. That guy's totally a narcissist. Oh, she's a narcissist. You're a narcissist. We're all a narcissist. Oh, my gosh. I'm pretty sure, and maybe you know, but I'm pretty sure that like the statistics on narcissism the, like the percentage of people who are actually clinically right. you know have narcissistic personality disorder is got to be lower than the amount of accusations they get thrown around.
1: Okay, so it's like the titanic iceberg. <laughs> the amount is at the top.
2: The, the amount, amount of
1: time yeah, the right. amount of time we
2: use it is underneath. Right. And they're not the same, are they? No. No. So the problem though, when we start throwing these labels around, well, in fact, let me actually back up a little bit. Labels are helpful. Like it's part of how the human mind works to categorize things and sort of simplify life and, you know, into little boxes and whatnot. And it it helps our brain deal with all of the complexities of life. But there's a point at which the labels become excessive and problematic. And especially when we use those labels to um, put human beings in those boxes. And especially when we use them in like a mean intention to sort of um, minimize their humanity and like distill it down to this one little label, like you are a narcissist. Like that in that moment, that becomes all that that person is. And it removes them of their complex humanity. And so in effect, it's name calling and it's bullying and it's dehumanizing. And it doesn't mean that you're wrong. It's just, what is it doing to the name caller? What is it perpetuating in the name caller to, to throw those dehumanizing judgments around? Do you have a guess? Cause I could tell you, but. <laughs> I will tell you how, okay, so I'll tell you one thing.
1: Mm -hmm. I will tell you how I was affected as a child Mm. from things like this, Mm. right? In so many ways, I could tell you how people are affected, especially people that decide to have their lifestyle a certain way, Mm -hmm. and they get classified and get called names, which I won't repeat on this show. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: I can tell you that sometimes the effects of what you're talking about will stay with people for a lifetime, that I can tell you. And I could tell you how unaware most people are of the impact they have
2: by doing this. So not only are they having unintended, unrealized, sometimes very substantial impacts to the people who they're calling names, what it does to the name caller is it perpetuates this notion that Some people, under certain circumstances, are undeserving of love. And what that belief does, carrying that belief, is like carrying this ticking time bomb of fear that maybe, under certain circumstances, I won't be worthy of love. And so, when we label people and name call and judge, we're perpetuating our own lack of complete, unconditional self-love and worth.
1: I got to ask you a question about this because you define this so clearly and the impact of the way you describe it is so important and there's so much of it right now. I mean, we could spend a whole show just going through the list of everything from the global impact of labeling right on down the road. Um, But we're seeing what is the right word? We're seeing the remedy the secret serum for some of this. And it's coming from the most interesting places, right? I'm noticing that. I'm just noticing it. Um, And I'm noticing at, at it even at a political level. And I'm not talking about politics. I'm talking about the way people in government are coming forward to say, wait a minute, she's not that. This woman is amazing. She is my daughter. Let me tell you about her. And I just read something about that from a gentleman that I will tell you I did not support when he was in the White House at all. So something shifting in the energy of this. Just labeling, please help me with this. What are the benefits? Because you said not all labeling is bad. And that I believe in. Because sometimes for me, I have to understand something, and I have to have people put it in a box. If it's in a box and it's about me, I can change the box, right? But most of the time labeling is not very helpful, is it?
2: <laughs> Just well, say it. No, actually, probably most of there's probably a lot of labeling that we're not even conscious of. Yeah. You know, like we we label things left and right. You know, we we label things as good or bad or functional or dysfunctional, or like, you know, there's like judgment is also discernment you know like i'm judging whether or not i can make a left turn I'm, I'm labeling this maneuver as unsafe or you know like all of these types of things have a functional place and for me when it comes to people is where it can become problematic and the thing that i find really helpful like a functional distinction is focus on behaviors not people like, our, like I said, our human minds naturally label things. If we focus on the behavior, like I'm gonna label that behavior as narcissistic. Sure, if you wanna do that, that's fine. Let's label the behavior as narcissistic instead of shove the entire human into the box of narcissism. Like mm. he's a narcissist. Mm-hmm. He's a lot of other things. And maybe, yes, maybe he does have narcissistic behavior. Maybe mm-hmm. he is someone that you would do well to avoid interacting with, awesome. But like dehumanizing him, it, it's like, it takes a part of your own soul to do that. Like when we dehumanize others, we perpetuate an operating system where we might not have uh like right mm-hmm. to our humanity. It's just, mm-hmm. it, it, we can't, the, the judgment is an operating system that goes both ways. You can't be judging other people without somewhere else also judging yourself. It's like that thing where they say like drinking poison and hoping the other person dies. Yeah. Like that's what judgment does.
1: Yeah, that's true. And you know, it's really interesting because I often wonder, especially when you use a phrase like the dreaded narcissist and you refer to people, I often wonder how do you even know to diagnose that? Like what has made you aware of that, right? Other than the fact that you're picking up on a buzzword because, and and I've heard it used, I've heard people use it to term other people that are taking time out to self, for self-care, right? And, and those are the things where you have a dialogue and you say, I don't understand. Like, tell me about why you gave that person that label. Well, they're putting themselves first. Yes, they're doing self-care. That's what we're supposed to do. So you see a label that is as damaging as that. That is a damaging word, by the way. When you call somebody a narcissist, if that thing catches on, that is really a, not a cool thing. And I, I, it's being used in high schools. It's being used on social media. But we have to be more compassionate in understanding people, don't we? Because if you really knew what you were saying by throwing that at somebody and then maybe posting about it, maybe
2: you'd think think twice so how do we put the brakes on for a little bit I think two things can be helpful to bear in mind one is that the more we throw words around the more we diminish their meaning in the context where they do actually have meaning and importance
1: mm-hmm.
2: um, and then the other thing for me my biggest like soapbox that I'm <laughs> here today for is because if nothing else Like, if you're so hurt by somebody that you cannot have empathy for them, and that happens, like, I can empathize with being in a situation where you can't empathize with the person who you feel has hurt you. And there are valid concerns. People do hurt other people and can cause harm. But the moment you start name calling them and judging them is the same moment you perpetuate the belief in yourself that you might not be worthy of love, which is why you're even talking to them in the first place. Yeah. And it just perpetuates the problems. Like it's not a solution. Yeah. It's if if nothing else stop doing it because it's dysfunctional.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's like getting caught up in a windstorm and, you know, it's very interesting when you do that, if you've ever been caught up in a windstorm or anything that even looks like that, it doesn't start out as a windstorm. It starts out as, oh, doesn't the feel wind feel good? Oh, it's really the sand is blowing up in my face. Wow, it's a little bit wild. And then the next thing you know, it's like, oh my gosh, like, okay, I can't see the ocean, right? I mean, but there's a point in time that you realize I am now in the middle of this. And I don't have the tools to get out. I'm now what you just described. I'm not only caught up in the windstorm, but I've become the windstorm. And what we're talking about today is really how do we go and understand the impact of that to opening ourselves up to love and compassion and i know this is important to you you have an you you have a group on facebook right tell us about the group on facebook because you see the body of work that i know of that you're doing is really to help people gain insight into themselves Not like, let's not have a conversation about the narcissist, but get insight into ourselves and then be able to explore that in a safe place more. What have you set up for people to do that?
2: So, it's a free group for women um, called Empowered Compassion. And the people who were drawn to me that got me to start that group was um, basically where I spoke out about like maybe judging people as unworthy of our love isn't actually helpful. Um, and maybe we can have compassion for other people while also having compassion for ourselves. And maybe that actually sets us up to be even more empowered. Mm-hmm. And then maybe if we empower that compassion, it empowers mm-hmm. us further and it becomes this like mm-hmm. beautiful snowball mm-hmm. effect.
1: You have to be there. I want to ask you about this now. Um, but, uh, I want to talk about love is circular. But I also want to talk about judgment, and I want to talk with you about how insidious it is and how um, porous. Porous is the word I want to talk to you about because there are choice points if we know them. There are remedies if we know them. And like anything, I I should have a T-shirt that says, the first step is awareness, not acceptance. I'm sorry. (laughs) I get so much flack when I said that the other day. why do I say that? Well, we're going to talk about that. But before we do, how do people once find out more about you and are able to work with you? Because you don't just do this show. This is something you are embody into your profession and help people with. So I want to be very clear about this. Yes, this is a conversation you and I are having. But the work that you do is so much more than that, because you're going to take everything we've said today and you work with people to really get down at what's going on. Why?
2: Love, right? Yeah, <laughs> I'm, I can be found at lovecoachmariah.com. Of course. Um, love Coach Mariah on Facebook and Instagram. And I've got the Empower Compassion Group.
1: Listen, love is circular. So is judgment. I want to talk about this. I mean, there are two sides to the same coin, in my opinion. Okay. Mm-hmm. They may be two different sides, but it's, it's a quarter. Right. It's a quarter. It's like one coin. But sometimes we only see one and we don't understand the other is operating. And I wanted to really ask you about this because this idea of introspection, finding out about oneself, becoming more aware, right, opens up a new opportunity for us to change. One of the things I want to ask you about, which I have found is the hardest for me in my life, and that is knowing I'm worthy of love. Did not get that growing up, but this idea of being worthy of love, how how insurmountable is the issue around that for people? <laughs> Sorry <laughs> about my words. <laughs> Sorry if I'm like over projecting right there. <laughs>
2: it's, it's not entirely insurmountable. It is a challenge. But um, one of my mottos is love is unconditional like you know um, take a side note here people like to talk about unconditional love like it's a type of love like some love is unconditional and some love isn't you know like oh well this is the unconditional kind of love i'm like okay no no let's be clear love is unconditional relationships are not that's what boundaries are for oh that
1: micah that's a soundbite we gotta pull out of this show um Say it again, because I want people to understand the distinction, because I think there's like a big gray area for a lot
2: of people, right? Love, love is unconditional, period. Yeah. Relationships are not. Yeah. And that's what boundaries are for.
1: Let's dig deeper into that. Because when we start to talk about relationships, now is where we sort of get the judgment. Look,
0: nothing
1: straightened me out about my view of people that become chronically sick and just can't pick themselves up and move on Then, six months after doing this show, coming down with a chronic mystery disease myself. And all I could think about, Mariah, was how many times I looked at Linda's dad basically was in the same boat. I was, I had the same symptoms. This is such an eerie story. I don't even talk about it on air, so I'm not going to do a whole lot, but I literally came down with the same symptoms that her dad came down with and had for years. And I could never understand. Bummer, just get out of the chair. Come on, let's go. Let's go saw that two by four. And he couldn't use it. So nothing reframed my perspective on that than my own journey. And I gotta tell you, it lasted 10 years. So it took me 10 years to really shift. But that's just one version of it. See, we do this a lot with people. So we will judge other people and judge what we expect them to do. And I can't even begin to talk with you about how that manifests in relationships, tell me. (laughs) How many versions of relationship
2: stuff like that are there? Oh, it's infinite. The, the thing that I'm going to keep bringing this back to, though, is um, mm. I'll use a friend of mine as an example. Um, she is going through a sort of breakup and is feeling very hurt. And she keeps going to this place where she wants to criticize and judge him and, you know, sort of call him names. And then I kind of come in and stand up for him a little bit and say, like, yes, he did those horrible things and you continued to participate in the relationship. So um, maybe instead of calling him names, we can just look at the behavior and assess whether it's aligned for you or not. And clearly it's not aligned for you. So you have the power to choose differently. And, And she would sometimes question me as to why I was kind of arguing with her a little bit about her judgments of him. And I was like, because if you keep judging him like this, you're also gonna judge yourself. I know you will, I've seen you do it before. And sure enough, somewhere down the line later that day or something, she'll have some realization about her participation in the relationship and start crying and being like, oh my gosh, I'm such a horrible person, what's wrong mm-hmm. with me? I'm like, okay, see, so here's the judgment again. And this is why it's circular. We can't judge others without judging ourselves. And I don't mm-hmm. mean simultaneously. Like we can make judgments of someone else without judging ourselves in that moment. But it's like an operating system, like your computer, it's a mental operating system of if we're operating on this judgment OS, we're judging other people left and right, and somewhere else we're judging ourselves too. And that always lands you in a puddle mm. of shame at some yeah. point. And it's just debilitating and yeah. unproductive. Like it's just, and it's it's hard because I want to have empathy. And I do, I I practice empathy for the people who have been hurt in relationships. And I don't mean to diminish the harm that happens. It's just acknowledge the harm and move away from the judgment. Find empowerment instead. Anywhere you can find choice, you find empowerment. Look, it. here's the thing. I learned this in a hard lesson from
1: someone that really had to work a lot harder than the way you're describing it to get to me. When people hear me say I was in a physic- physically abusive relationship, literally thrown down a flight of stairs, a, a large chunk of a bite taken out of my arm, people look at me and say, no, that can't be you. You, the girl from the Bronx, you. And if, if you step into the blame without taking action, this is my language now, shame exponentially shows up. So I want you to talk about this for a minute because here's what here's some of the side effects. Shame because you couldn't make a change. Shame because you let that happen. Shame because other people thought, no, not you. I could go on. Shame because, oh my gosh. I must have done something horrible and deserved that. I'm so ashamed of my behavior from causing that person to be I mean, we could go on because if we don't take the step that you took and if I didn't have the help I took, and by the way, this was back in like 1989. If I didn't have that help, not from somebody like as nice as you either, like that could explain it. I don't know where I'd be. I don't know that I would have broken that habit. But see what you're asking, and please help me understand this. There's a point by which we we halt judgment. And don't things get clearer for us?
2: I mean, I think so, but I might be biased.
1: No, you're not. (laughs) You're not. Because if I'm judging you and I'm thinking, and I got a 50 million names for what you do, I cannot get to the solution. Einstein said it. You can't solve the problem at the level it was started. So you can't solve the problem at the abuse level. So what you're saying and help people with, is how to hold new space,
2: right? Yeah. Yeah. And one of the huge things I teach about judgment and moving out of that operating system, and you're right when you say that love and judgment are like two sides of the same coin, they're, ba- they're like alternate operating systems. You can either be on the judgment operating system or you can be on the love operating system in the same way that when you're judging others, you're judging yourself. When you're loving others, you're loving yourself. And so if you shift out, if you, you know, uninstall the judgment OS and upload <laughs> the love OS, then what happens is you start to develop a level of self-love and self-worth and self-trust that it, that it, it empowers you to show mm-hmm. up in situations where if someone is exhibiting a behavior that you want to label as bad or mm-hmm. bad, mm-hmm. even just for you, mm-hmm. then you just say, Oh, guess what? That's not for me. Exactly. And you Go somewhere else instead of pursue it. And like, you want to run them down and call them all the names because you're like attached to the justice or something. It's like, <laughs> how about peace instead? I, I, I would rather pursue peace instead of, you know, feed the ego.
1: I'm going to I'm going to have Nathan find that Carrie Underwood song where you drive your keys into the side of his car down there. Uh, but I want to pick this up. I want to take a break and come back because what you and I are talking about, we're having a conversation about it. But you are the one that works with people to help them get out of it. And I will tell you that it's a journey. I want to talk to the audience for a minute. And I want to say this for all of you. We're talking about this because both of us know what it's like, but we want to invite you to have the most amazing love that you deserve. And in order to get there, you may need to have a few conversations with Mariah. You may need to talk about that relationship from 15 years ago that you're still throwing eggs at the house when you drive by. Or even if you're not throwing eggs, you wish you had a dozen eggs when you drive by. When we come back, we're going to talk about this because I think she's very clear about this. Yes, they did that. Yes, they hurt you. Yes, 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 yes. But you don't condone it. You don't have to condone it or blame it in order for you to become fully and compassionately empowered. When we come back, fasten your seatbelt. However, you wanna call in? Wanna talk to Mariah? 1-800-930-2819. And thank you, Nathan, before he cheats. Stay tuned, we'll be right back.
0: You're driven and it totally shows. Your career is taking off. You're killing it in the mom game, but did your health needs make it on the plate this week? Tune in to Boss Up Babes, where Carissa Adkins helps babes show up, boss up, and thrive. Every Tuesday at 12.30 p.m. Pacific on TransformationTalkRadio.com. Become the boss babe you were meant to be. To sign up for one of Carissa's group coaching programs, visit 365dailyhustle.com. Tune into the Dr. Diane Show, where we explore revolutionary expansion of mind, body, and soul every Thursday at 8 a.m. Pacific, 11 a.m. Eastern on TransformationTalkRadio.com. I bring over 20 years of expertise as a mindset warrior, perspective shifter, and unshakable optimist dedicated to helping you reach your wildest dreams in business, health, performance, and relationships. Join the discussion on the show. Learn more about me, Dr. Diane, and receive a free digital copy of my magazine at naturalnutmeg.com. Do your ADHD tendencies get in the way of you doing what you intend to? Traditional strategies for getting things done may not work for you. You need solutions tailored for your unique brain. In Bonnie Minku's training membership program, Productivity Pathfinder, learn ADHD self-mastery step-by-step at your own pace in a supportive community with live online options each week learn more about productivity pathfinder at thrivewithadd.com how many times do you find yourself saying it was nothing or just doing my job when really you knocked it out of the park how did you get like this how to survive male-dominated fields with grace and authenticity, and reach the top without ever once giving up on who you are. Courage to be Seen host Sherry Clark explores the awesome power of your entire self and how far you can go by being more you. Check out her website, CourageToBeSeen.com. You have the courage to be seen.
1: Hi, I'm Mary Jane Mack, and yes, our office is open
2: and we are doing strictly phone consultations. If you would like to call and get tuned up, it's perfect time with everything that's going on and things aren't calming down, pick up the phone and give us a call. It's quick and easy and it's fun. If you'd like more information on it, you can look at maryjanemack.com or call our office at 888-777-4232. I grew
1: up with a mom That was born in the deep South and we grew up listening to songs like that. But that one, it, tell me if that song Mariah does not talk to what we're talking about. Before we, before we kind of make a transition here, I want to talk with you about the work that you do because before the break, I said, we're having a conversation, but it's not that for you. This is a body of work and one part of it that you do to help people get to that place you mentioned called unconditional love right? That is the end game, isn't it? You may have to jump through hoops. Some of them (laughs) may have fire and barbed wire on them. (laughs) But who doesn't want to feel love? Right? I don't know. So tell folks a little bit about how they can find out more about you, what you're creating, and how they can contact you. Because now we're going to really roll. Now we're going to get to you got to know when to hold them and you got to know when to fold them.
2: But let's tell folks how they can find you. Sure. I can be found at lovecoachmariah.com. My name is spelled M A R I Y A. You can email me, connect at lovecoachmariah.com. You can find me on Facebook and Instagram, Love Coach Mariah. And uh, I, I do coaching work with women who are struggling with um, insecure attachment styles to learn how to become secure in love. And my mission in life is to help. I want people to treat each other better. And I truly believe that in order for us to treat each other better, we have to start treating ourselves better because how you do one thing is how you do everything. And just like judgment is circular and love is circular. How, we treat others as how we treat ourselves, how yeah. we treat ourselves is how we treat others, and I want yeah. a more living world.
1: And that really is part of why this is such an important conversation, because there was never a time in my lifetime to date where there was more need for what we're talking about, because there are so there's so much information that seeps in, even when you don't want it to. I mean, everything from not muting your television during commercials, believe me, you are taking that in, you may not think you are, maybe you think you're playing on your little phone game, you're not, you're listening to that tell you how sick you are, how many drugs you're going to need, how much weight you have gained,
2: all of it. And you know but, what else you get through that too? Is tell how me how what entitled you are how entitled you are to be happy and to feel good and to have all of the yeah. things that, like, that, that you don't have. And man, like how wronged are you that you don't have every possible joy in the world and then you just run around angry all the time. <laughs> That's exactly, and that really is what we're talking about. How do we choose to
1: respond to things? See, because when I tell that story about my own little experience there, everybody thinks that I got up and I went after the other person. I didn't. I didn't have a response that I would have normally had for where I was as a young person. As a young person, I would have gotten up and we'd have had it out, but I didn't. I didn't. I got up and I walked away, right? Very unusual for me, and I can't really even tell you why I did. And to be honest with you, that was not a good response for that situation. So I had to literally walk away. I had to get out of the house. But let's talk about this because even if we're aware, the next thing is
2: action. How do we respond? What do we do? So in kind of a roundabout answer for you, because Mm -hmm. ultimately, like you said, it depends on the situation. Yeah. What I have done in my journey with judgment is I started with the realization that there is um, a form of judgment that I like to call objective, which is where like you have this morality based on something outside of you, or there is subjective where it's got a framework of morality based on, you know, what's within you. And so the, it's kind of like the difference between fact and opinion. Like if I come out of a movie and someone says, what did you think of it? And I say it was horrible. That's like, I'm stating a fact because my experience was horrible that I'm I'm making it a fact that that movie was horrible. Whereas a subjective judgment would be, well, I didn't really enjoy it. And when you own that subjectivity, then it's like, maybe you will, maybe someone else will like it. I didn't. And so I started shifting from viewing things as like objectively good or bad to whether Mm. or not they were good or bad for me. Mm. And then further down the line, I came to find that I was still judging myself and my own behaviors as good or bad. And that it was still kind of in various ways leaking out into shame here and there. And so I even let go of good and bad altogether. And I shifted to a completely neutral framework of alignment. It's either in alignment with my values and goals or it's not. Mm. And it's neutral, it's not a judgment of good or bad. It's just I'm assessing things in terms of alignment or misalignment. So if I encounter something that's not aligned for me, it's namaste and you walk away.
1: Yeah. I had a mentor that drilled into me one phrase that I use to this day. It's not good, Bad. it's not good, it's not bad, it just is. And it, I, I'd never quite understood it. And it took me a really long time because, okay, you had to work with my mentor. She was not going to explain everything to you, but when you got it, she would point it out. But what you just described, see, that is the place. That is the place that I think Einstein talked about. It is the place that you're not. You're not going to the same place where you were to solve the situation you're in. Because the place where you were is to really do this and to just go at it, whether it be emotionally, mentally, spiritually, or otherwise, Absolutely. even if you don't say it, right? So let's just be clear, right? You're not just talking about, oh, I'm saying it, but even thinking these judgments mm-hmm. causes us to get in that Caught circular out. thing.
2: Yep. Yeah. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And, you know, on a kind of a side note, but talking to what you're saying with that Einstein notion,
1: mm-hmm. um,
2: The same friend I was mentioning just today, she was caught up in like kind of, you know, mental torment and just in these loops and these, you know, running things through over and over again and asking questions and trying to figure things out. And it's already over and she ended it, but she's still trying to figure out like why it didn't work. And, you know, oscillating between, is he a horrible person? Am I a horrible person? And I'm just like, you actually, the, your answer is not in your mind. You're having mental turmoil and you're trying to solve your mental turmoil with your mind. I was like, you need to get in your body, take your awareness out of your mind. The solution is not there, only the problems are there. So that's embodiment on a total side note, embodiment is a huge part of any sort of healing practice. And you know, healing all of the wounds that we have about this judgment operating system I think part of the reason we like to stick in that like oh let's just bang our heads together and yeah. fling names back and forth at each other like that's just that's the mind wanting to keep you in the mind and you know whatever it can however enticement it can use to to keep you at the mental level and keep you from stepping into a place of embodiment where you can zoom out a little bit and be like hey you know what's happening right here ultimately is this isn't aligned and I don't need to fight with you about it I'm just going to walk away I'm going to stay on my path of alignment instead of come off of it and I'm not going to keep asking you to come off of your path of alignment because when we do that we deplete ourselves and only like A relationship that results from one or both parties stepping out of alignment in order to be together is going to be inherently dysfunctional. Yeah.
1: And you know what I love about what you shared, because maybe there are some people that can see themselves really well and figure it out on their own. I don't know many people like that, but I know in my case and in, in what you're talking about. It is always beneficial to me to work with another person, to have somebody that can see things clearer, because when you're in the middle of something, clarity is not necessarily what comes to you. No. Right?
2: Yeah. Yeah. It's hard to see the back of your head. Your own yeah. Head.
1: <laughs> yeah. And, you know, I mean, it comes in certain ways, but this is really, this is really the next conversation because- There is an action that has to be taken. And sometimes it really is an action you have to take. And if you don't get an outsider being able to speak with you and help you understand it, you're going to go back to that abusive relationship. It's highly likely it will happen again. And you may not reach out for help again. And so let's talk about this because there is a place where people can get to where they can take that next step. I'm not saying it's easy, right? I'm not saying that ending a relationship or deciding what's alignment for you is that really takes a lot of help. But that's really what we have to do to get there. Um, you can, you. I think you say, and this is something you can wish somebody well, but you don't have to stay. And you don't have to, to carve something in their leather
2: car seat. (laughs) There's this again, like the, you know, the, the ego, the mind really likes to think in black and white. Like, in fact, I think that's kind of all it's capable of is, you know, seeing things in black and white, all or nothing good or bad. Um, It's very dualistic in that sense. And our, part of the way that our modern culture is framed we have so normalized codependency and enmeshment that mm. it's like we think the only way to be in relationship is either totally enmeshed like I can't tell where I end and you begin or F you I don't even care <laughs> you know it's like it's like we're either one or we're like enemies and it's like how about we're just two individuals who are you know, coming together because we enjoy each other's company and we don't actually need anything from each other, but we just, it's like, I don't need you, but I want you and you're free to come and go, you know, and Hey, if you keep choosing me, how wonderful. And if I keep choosing you, how wonderful, but that takes so much mm-hmm. internally rooted security to be able to yeah. get to that place. Um, but it, it is possible. And as you were saying before about ending up back in the relationship, that's not functional. I think that one of the, the alternative, if you don't end up back in that relationship, you're just going to end up in another one that looks like that. And one of like the biggest guarantees of that is if you leave slamming the door, if you're like, if you, I'm done, you're a total piece of work and not and I'm not, I'm not for this, you know, it's like zero ownership, hundred percent blame. You're just going to walk into the same thing again. So even if the relationship is dysfunctional, even if it's not, and again, if you're not in super danger, if you can do the work in yourself so that you can walk out of the relationship in peace and say like, I love you. You're an amazing, wonderful person. There are valid reasons, excuse me. There are valid reasons that I was attracted to you. There are valid reasons that I enjoyed being with you and we're just not aligned. I have needs that you're not really capable of meeting. You have needs that I'm not really capable of meeting. Like this just isn't a mix. And it's so hard for people to get there. They want to either like ride or die. (laughs) I don't know.
1: Yeah. And I want to put the caveat for those of you out there. I just got a text message. I want to bring the question up here in a minute, Um, but I want to put it out there. We're very clear about, the type of person you would do this with. So let us be clear. There are people, given the circumstance, that you need to run and not walk away from. We are not talking about those people. Just say it. That's not who we're talking about.
2: Well and I can talk to that.
1: You can talk to that. But I just I yes. I could see I could see the questions that's coming in, right? Yes. Um everyone that I know that's ever done a show like this talks emphatically about what you just said. Because believe it or not, that gesture, it's more for you than it is for them. Just like forgiveness is more for you,
2: right? Absolutely.
1: So in your words, it's a clearing of energy, isn't it? Even though it may not feel like it. Yeah,
2: it's like a release. Yeah. 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 You're just letting it go. Yeah. Like Like the alternative, like we, you know, we try so hard to fight. We fight with each other for the relationship, but then it's just tearing the relationship apart. It's just like, if it's not working, man, it's not working. Mm -hmm. And at the same time, people are so inclined to leave in like a huff of reactivity instead and be like, and that's a, that's a pretty good guarantee that you're going to end up in that same relationship with that same person or in the same relationship with a different person when you walk out and you slam the door because making choices, making like life decisions from a really heightened emotional state is really not uh, sustainable. Like that decision is not sustainable
1: yeah,
2: because you're making it from a very temporary heightened state of mind. And then eventually you'll calm down and then you'll have a different choice, right? So you've got to totally make a different. So to place a call.
1: Exactly. You know, I work in a program with other women, and one of the top rules of the game is you don't make any major decisions while you're going through this for the first year. You just don't make any. And, and they always want to ask why. And then a couple of weeks later, you get an email, I'm moving to Florida. I just sold my, I mean, you, this is what you get. And you, you have a conversation about Is that really what you want to do? Because isn't part of our makeup, especially our emotional makeup. I mean, we can't forget the whole fight and flight idea. Right, right. I mean, we'd like to. um, But what you're offering is inner work. Not for the other person, because you can't do their inner work. Correct. But in order for you to get to this place where you can have that conversation or make that statement, And to answer one of the questions that came in from Sue here, I just want to say, yes, Sue, here's the thing we're saying. We're not saying you have to do this alone, because I've said this a couple of times now during the show. I've never been able to do it alone, and I have some tools. I recommend you work with somebody that can help you get through the process that Mariah is talking about today, but then also give you some tools, right? Because that phrase, Mariah, you just said, that you said so beautifully and easily, that did not come to you overnight. No, (laughs) right? Took a few years. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Yeah,
1: yeah. But that's really what we're talking about, because we are talking about, for you, creating this community of empowered compassion.
2: Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I do it, it, it's for the, it's for you it's not for the other person like Thank you said you. like i am encouraging people to let go of judgment of the a-holes out there not because they're not a-holes but because it's damaging to yourself yeah. to yeah. to function on the judgment operating system yeah
1: and you know there are some people that are a little bit more blinded to themselves than others you know yeah yeah, when, when two, two, two relationships, kind of the same, same pattern, I'll admit it. And everybody around it could see it, you know, everybody's like, okay, just saying you in relationship with a crazy person. We, We all knew it, you in here. And then the next one, you know, my friends were like, Okay, 14 year relationship. You didn't think there was anything wrong, Pat, with the fact that on anniversary date, you were the only one available for 14 years. And you know, when they put it to you like that after the fact, and I just looked at them and said, Okay, thank you for sharing now. But even that was insightful for me. It told me about myself, it Mm -hmm. told me about what I wasn't willing to see. Mm
2: -hmm. Yep. And we all like, the timelines of each person's journey is definitely personal, you know, (laughs) it's definitely personal, but
1: look, let's talk about this last thing in the minutes we have left, because I think that when we have conversations about this, people really think I got to sacrifice this. I got to sacrifice this. I'm going to trade in who I am. I'm going to sacrifice this freedom. I'm going to sacrifice this. I'm going to, okay. What don't we need to sacrifice here? in order to get to that place where we
2: can feel what unconditional love feels like starting with ourselves. Compassion. Mm -hmm. I, I think, I feel like one of the biggest messages that gets indirectly pumped out is that if you keep being, you know, if you keep getting into these relationships with these losers or these people that don't deserve your love, you know, you need to, You need, you need to become more empowered. And it's almost like they're trying to say, you got to put up some walls and you got to like, you know, tell that person that they don't deserve your love and like, go find someone who does deserve your love. And that just perpetuates again, that notion that maybe in certain circumstances you don't deserve your love. So what you do instead, it's like the opposite. And you say, Hey, I have, I'm like this naturally loving, caring person. I have a lot of compassion in me. And I'm trying to love these people who don't love themselves enough to even receive my love. And maybe it is a waste of my time, quote unquote, waste of my time and energy to be giving my love to this person who's not ready to receive it. But it's not because they don't deserve love. Yeah. And I deserve love. And you know what? Hey, wait a second. I deserve enough love that the fact that this person isn't capable of reciprocating it, I don't have to criticize them. I just have to take my love somewhere else. I have to keep it for me and direct it to people who are capable of receiving it. And it doesn't mean that that person who's not capable of receiving it is bad or horrible or a narcissist or whatever other label you want to give them. And even if it's true, it's not helpful. It's my whole point.
1: Yeah. Um, look, thank you for today. I mean, these topics, most people can really relate to everything you've said today. And I would venture to say that out of that population, most of those people don't know the next step. Mm. And I think that the message that I want to leave them with, and I want to hear the message you're going to leave them with is, I've never been able to find a pathway to freedom and love by myself. Mm. I've never been able to do it without getting help, right? And it took me 38 years to figure that out, that I couldn't do it myself. What's your message? What would you like to leave people with? And please tell them how they can get in contact with you. I would actually
2: like to leave people with um, a question for themselves to just consider as they go about their lives. Where can you empower your compassion? Where can you take that beautiful little seed of love and compassion in you and actually turn Mm -hmm. it up? So that it serves you as well as others. Because if it's if you're sacrificing the compassion for yourself, for others, you're missing something. And you can find me at lovecoachmariah.com. My name is M-A-R-I-Y-A. And um, reach out anytime.
1: Thank you so much for this. Because I don't know if you've seen the latest statistics on relationships and what's going on. I will tell you that these folks really need to have a conversation about this and put down the boxing gloves for a minute. Absolutely. I mean, a brawl over table tennis. Are you kidding me? (laughs) That's really what we're talking about. Understanding more. What would a compassionate conversation look like between these two guys? I would have loved it. Yeah. Okay, Coach Mariah, everybody, I'm Dr. Pat. Please, you don't have to sustain your pain alone, and so many of us think we do. Reach out to Mariah. We'll see you next time.